The following is offered by Discerning Hearts, a 501c3 nonprofit Catholic apostolate dedicated to spiritual formation through the use of new media. To download this selection, or to browse hundreds of other programs, or to contribute to our mission with a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible, visit our website at discerninghearts.com. We now join Deacon James Keating, the Director of Theological Formation at the Institute for Priestly Formation, located in Omaha, Nebraska, as he offers a reflection entitled, Trust in His Mercy, at the Day of Grace program on Divine Mercy Sunday at Christ the King Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Good afternoon. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, you who are mercy, we ask that you come now, reside in our hearts, softening them so that we might receive the truth about ourselves in the light of your love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, this feast is such a blessing for us, for the whole church. And besides the aspect of mercy, John Paul II was quite clear, and of course in the original revelation, the private revelation as well, that the theme of trust, trust in Jesus, should be prominent on this day. In Peter's letter in the New Testament, we read, Cast all your worries upon the Lord, because he cares for you. Which is an astounding revelation. Cast all your worries upon the Lord because He cares for you. If we think of ourselves, these tiny little creatures in this huge cosmos, that God actually cares for us. We can meditate on that, and of course the church has been meditating on that for 2,000 years. The revelation of Jesus But even before that, we see God's care for us in creation. Today we have this beautiful sunny day. We've had so many cloudy days this April. And today the sun is shining, you can finally see the sky again. And of course it begins, you begin to meditate upon the beauty of the earth, upon creation. Trust, trust God. He made this for us. This is our home. He created us. He created it with us in mind. The first revelation that we should trust God is so close to us that a lot of times we don't even acknowledge or have a deep gratitude for it. And that is creation itself. Our home where literally we have everything provided, everything we need from His hand, from His providence. Of course, we learn from Genesis that we have to work by the sweat of our brow now since sin has entered the story. But even in the midst of our work, our labor, our toil, we still receive what we need. The Father has been very generous to us 
What would make us think that He will forget us after He has provided this earth for us and everything that we need? And of course, this too is a sign of sin and weakness, limit and finitude. That we would forget that God imprinted His love for us in creation. It's so close and yet Oftentimes, we neglect to praise Him and glorify Him and give Him thanks. In other words, to be grateful that everything we need is here in the mystery of creation. But of course, God went further than that because we needed Him to go further. Couldn't just have the glory of creation because of that wound the wound of sin. The wound of sin that keeps us from realizing how beautifully attentive God is to us, that we can trust Him, that He will never turn from us. And so God had to go further than creation after the entrance of sin. And so we have the redemption. The second portion of the Blessed Trinity coming down from heaven. but most astonishingly, coming down from heaven as one of us, to abide with us so closely as to be one with us as another sign. As Jesus Himself says in the Gospels, I will not leave you orphans. He didn't come in glorious majesty. He didn't come and reveal His inner beauty in a transcendent and supernatural way. He was born of a woman as a baby. And then most exceedingly glorious and astounding, He lived His life among us as human all the way to death, into death. Because he knew that the divine had to touch every aspect of the human experience. And the divine had to penetrate the wound of sin, symbolized by death. He had to go into the thing that frightens us the most. So that we would no longer be afraid. So that we could meditate upon the incarnation, Calvary. Redemption, His closeness to us, His desire as He walked the earth to do nothing but goodness, His desire to do nothing but heal us. This is all in our imagination now as Christians. We can go to it, we can pull it out of our imagination when we are afraid, when we feel alone, when we feel forgotten by God. How could we ever be forgotten by God? He is as close to us as we are to ourselves. He is not a distant, faraway God looking down upon us. He has lived our flesh. And not only He lived it, while He was living it, He healed it. Redemption is key to our imagination about trusting God. He will never leave us orphaned. He went to the place 
that we fear the most. Death and any other fear that we have is simply a refraction of that greatest fear of all. I am alone. I have been forgotten. This is where Satan plays powerfully. He always plays on our fear of being isolated, alone, and forgotten. And the way that God wanted to cure that fear was to say, I will come and live among you. Take on your flesh, live the life you live, and even go into the scariest part of that life, death itself. And death itself will not claim me. Death itself will not define me. Because I am life. As he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And so if you attach yourself to me, and he provided for that in the sacrament of baptism, if you attach yourself to me, then that same divine life that defeated death will be in you. And we call this the Holy Spirit. There is nothing to be afraid of. And we see in the lives of the saints over and over again this truth lived out. There is nothing to be afraid of because nothing can touch us because the Holy Spirit already has. Nothing can touch us because the Holy Spirit dwells within. The very Spirit that will take us out of the thing we fear the most and bring us into the life that Jesus is now living. Redemption. Creation, one of the greatest signs that we can trust God. He has provided for everything. Redemption. One of the greatest signs that we can trust God because He came and lived among us to heal us, raise us up, and free us from the slavery of sin, and sin's effects, death. Redemption, creation. Trust. I'm sure many of you can think of stories in your own life where perhaps you were tempted not to trust Jesus. Things were looking dark, bad, forbidden, closed, no escape. Perhaps an endless form of suffering. And someone came alongside you, or the Holy Spirit Himself awakened in you, the choice to resist this darkness and to choose again the truth that even in the most difficult of circumstances and perhaps particularly in the most difficult of circumstances Jesus is attracted to our pain and he comes to us when we call so much so 
that outside of Christian circles, but within Christian circles, this next sentence makes sense, but outside it doesn't make sense. When you hear people say, the greatest blessing of my life was a particular suffering that they had undergone. It makes no sense to people outside the mystery. But for those in the mystery, their heads shake in affirmation because they know that this is what attracts Jesus the most. Our pain, darkness, suffering, failure. And when we call out to Him from within that, the deepest and the newest intimacy between Himself and us is attained. It's counterintuitive. You would think that suffering and pain and loss would indicate that God has abandoned us. But because of the mystery of redemption, because of Calvary, because of the cross, we know that at that most vulnerable experience, when everything seems to be taken, in fact, everything is being given if you define everything in a very simple way, the way that the Catholic faith defines everything, and that everything is the relationship you have with God. When everything appears to be taken, if you cry out in faith, hope, and love, if you trust, then paradoxically, everything will be given. And you will be part of the history of the mad testimony that says, the most blessed part of my life was the life where I suffered the most. And the world which is skeptical will ask you why and how could that be? And of course, then you will give your testimony of faith. You will preach the good news. You will say to others, because at that point, I did not turn toward the darkness. I did not let the darkness define me. But I turned toward Him who totally obliterated darkness. And with a call, He came to me. And our intimacy, our love was deepened. And that intimacy, that communion you have with God, that's what death cannot take from you. That's what death, that's how death is thwarted, stopped. If you have the communion, that's the spirit of life. That's why we're all madmen to the world. Because we think that what looks like the end, even the most horrific symbol of the end, death, we think that what looks like the end is not the end. You are madmen. And you are defined as madmen because you are living in reality when the rest of the world abides in fantasy. The ones in faith are the only ones who live in reality. 
and the rest live in fantasy. That's why a lot of times those who are living in reality are a threat to those who live in fantasy and we have to kill them. We're called martyrs. It is exactly what happened to Jesus. He who is reality itself came among those who live in fantasy. Those who live in an abstract world. Those who live in a world that's not measured by truth. And when reality comes into that world, reality is a threat to it. And so we must silence it. We must isolate it. We must destroy it. And hence our long tradition from the time of Jesus Himself. Our long tradition of martyrdom. And martyrdom, of course, comes in many ways. The extreme, of course, is death. But any form of rejection, any form of suffering, any form of alienation, as a result of you preaching the Gospel, as a result of you giving this message of reality. Do you know, this death is not the end. Do you know this failure is not what defines you? Do you know that your suffering is not your new identity? Do you know that God, if you just call out to Him, will meet you there? And in meeting you there, do you know that you will come alive again? Do you know that you will come alive again if you just let Him meet you in the wound, in the dark, in the fear, in the failure? Do you know that you can trust Him that much? And then, of course, that wasn't sufficient for God to give us creation and give us redemption so that we could trust Him. Then, of course, He gave us the most glorious resurrection witnessed by hundreds in the testimony of the Scriptures, but primarily witnessed by the apostles, the close disciples, that He who was defeated now lives. He who is gone is now among us again. Our deepest fear Isolating death is gone. If, if, we say this, the body of Christ, amen, the blood of Christ, Amen. For if you do not have the body of Christ and the blood of Christ in you, He said very clearly, you have no life within you. See how He loves us? After the resurrection, did He simply ascend to the Father and say, so long, good luck? He went even further. I will leave you the priesthood. I will leave you my priesthood. And because of that sacrificial relationship 
that I have with these men, this relationship of grace, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. In my body, in my blood. And as often as you consume his body and blood, you consume eternal life. And so not only did he give us the testimony from Scripture, witnessed by hundreds, but especially by his apostles and close disciples, so that we could have trust in him. But then he went further and said, I want this mystery not only to be known by you, I want this mystery in you. And if this mystery is in you, then you will follow me to the Father. In other words, he will set creation straight. That which we made crooked through sin, the beauty of creation, will again come upon us in the kingdom of God, the new kingdom, the new earth. By all of us who were crooked, now becoming straightened by the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, those who were bent over looking only at themselves will now stand, will be resurrected and looking at the face of Jesus in glory and praise and adoration. Is Jesus worthy of our trust? He has given us creation, redemption, and the resurrection. He has given us a way out of darkness. Most especially, He has promised to meet us in the darkness when we call. Not all the time to take the darkness from us, but to deepen His relationship with us in it. In other words, to give us everything when we think everything is being taken. Because nothing is lost in Jesus. Jesus is not a taker. Jesus has nothing to do with evil. Jesus is a giver. Into your hands I commend my spirit, he said to his Father. In other words, everything is drained in his greatest act of trust himself. I'm going into the very dregs of humanity, my Father. My blood will be totally drained. Will you be there when my blood is gone? Jesus says to the Father. If I trust you this much, And the Father says, Look at how my Son trusts me. He is moved. And he says, I guess it's my turn, says the Father. Now rise. Rise, Jesus. For your love will not be outdone. I will respond with the resurrection.
And if we get in that mystery, that mystery of self-donation, and then the response of love from the Father, if we get in that mystery through the sacramental life, you will never die. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you.